0: a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? but I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Lord Jesus, thank you for being among us as one who serves. Thank you that your love is sometimes embarrassing to us because there's nothing hidden from you. And yet you love us and delight in us and rejoice over us all the more. I pray now, Lord, that we would understand what you are doing in our midst, what you're doing in East Dallas and beyond, and show us, Lord, how to join in with you in this journey. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. How about this for the first nice day of the year? <laughs> Praise God. I, I'm so excited. It's okay to look out the window. Now, I know some of you adults, I saw you with a, a glimmer in your eye, look glancing over at the bounce houses. There is an age limit on those. Uh, just FYI, age and a weight limit adults. So um, maybe we can have like a, an adult swim time where you can participate in the Bounce Houses. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Jay Wright. I'm the rector here at St. Bartholomew's. Um, As you may know, we're a church plant right here in East Dallas. We've been around for almost three years, but as you can see tonight, we're celebrating. Why are we celebrating? It's a great question. We're celebrating becoming St. Bartholomew's. My wife and I, about seven plus years ago, were living in a small town called Fleming Island, Florida, near Jacksonville, Florida. And we were working, I was working at Grace Anglican Church, and I was ordained a priest on the night of April 4th, 2011. The night before that, though, on April 3rd, 2011, right here in Dallas, Texas, a little church called All Saints Dallas had just begun their weekly worship services over on West Side Drive in Central Christian Church. Well, it turns out they needed a worship leader, and I had a few more years to give as a worship leader, and I needed somewhere to learn to become a priest. I needed to be a curate. I needed some wise, experienced handsome, devil, I mean, angel of a man. Can't really call a bishop a devil of a man. And, and it was beautiful because how many times had I told my wife, babe, we're never gonna live in Dallas? Because when we, we're from a small town West Texas, so when we thought of Dallas, we thought of like Plano or someplace like that and no, no you know, shade on Plano, but I just didn't know Dallas. There you go. Priests don't throw shade. (laughs) Anyway, so we came, interviewed, and we landed at All Saints Dallas. But the hope was that as we were coming back to Texas, part of this broader Anglican mission, we thought we'd love to plant a church somewhere. And as soon as I started working with Philip, I thought, well, I don't know if I want to plant a church. This guy's fun. And we saw God do amazing things at All Saints. And about nine months into our stay in Dallas, we were living in a two bedroom townhouse. Our youngest child had just come home with us, adopted from Ethiopia, and we were in that t- townhouse. And I thought, oh, you know, we gotta get out of here because the neighbor, I thought he was gonna bang through the wall, banging, you know, cause we were so loud, all that stuff. And so we moved into a house in Lake Highlands and I thought, wow, this is a neat neighborhood. And the more we got to know Lake Highlands, the more we realized, Wow, the east side of Central Expressway is really interesting. It reminded me of how in Jacksonville, which has a three-mile-wide river called the St. John's running right through the middle of it, it reminded me of how in Jacksonville, when you cross from the west side of the St. John's over the Buckman Bridge to the east side, or maybe the Main Street Bridge downtown, you're still in the same city, the largest city in the United States by land area. You were still in the same city, but it was a completely different culture. It was, there was a different emotional feel. And I realized that Central Expressway in all of its concrete and glory. And trust me, I drive LBJ now every day and I, <laughs> I prefer Central to LBJ. But Central Expressway was like an emotional boundary. And I began to talk to Philip and I said, you know, I don't know if, I think maybe we should plan a church just like all saints in East Dallas. And he said, hey man, that sounds great. <laughs> and so we prayed and God began to give vision. And I'm telling you this story to tell you why we're celebrating tonight. God began to give vision. Visions of trees and neighborhoods and and visions of people in East Dallas. Visions of a church that would be rooted kind of off the beaten path, not planted too soon or too late. Visions of an Anglican church, that's what we call a three-stream Anglican church, holding in tension in a beautiful dance, really, the three life-giving streams that have always been part of the life of the church from that day of Pentecost. The Holy Scriptures as our guide, though back then they were called the memoirs of the apostles, that first generation removed from the apostles. The Holy Sacraments, Holy Communion, Holy Baptism, sustaining and nourishing the people of God day after day, week after week. And then the Holy Spirit, performing signs and wonders and miracles, and quite honestly, doing things that were beyond us. When I, and I know there are just tables and beautiful flowers, and but when I saw all of our people tonight setting all of these things up, I realized that this is beyond us. God is doing something at St. Bartholomew's in the broader East Dallas and all over our city and in all saints as well that is beyond the sum of our individual gifts and parts. That's what God does. That's what the kingdom of God is. When Jesus told the apostles, when he said, I'm among you as one who serves, and I give you thrones in my kingdom, and you're going to eat and drink in my kingdom, he wasn't talking about political glory or wealth or notoriety or celebrity. In fact, you've probably never even heard of Bartholomew. You're like, I know Bartolo Colon is a pitcher for a team in Arlington. The economy of God is not like the economy of man or the economy of the United States. Thanks be to God. It goes far beyond us. And God is doing something beyond us. There's a larger design in what he's doing tonight. There's a larger design in our celebration tonight. There's a deeper destiny that is beyond each of us, but it doesn't diminish our role. It takes each one of us coming in line with this vision of being fully human. You'll see that on the bulletin. You see on the back of your calendar. Hopefully, you get a fall calendar at some point. You see it on our website. You hear us talk about it, and I'll tell you about it more in just a minute. But there's a bigger design that God is drawing us into. He's calling us to himself, and he's calling us to himself so that he can call others in East Dallas and Lake Highlands and Casa Linda and Lakewood and Richardson and Mesquite and Garland and Rockwall and Rowlett and Roy City and everywhere beyond so that he can call people to himself. Our Lord Jesus Christ, crucified yet risen, whose arms of love were stretched out on the hard wood of the cross, died to everyone might come within the reach of his saving embrace. So why are we celebrating tonight? We're celebrating because God has taken us from being one small fledgling church plant on Sunday night in All Saints to a growing church that's moving downtown to take the heart of Christ to the heart of the city. Then to this church, just a a glimmer in our eyes, a dream given of God, a vision given of God now a full-fledged worshiping community. And that's why our bishop is here tonight to dedicate us as a church. That's where so many friends and guests from All Saints are here tonight. And I'm so glad each one of us is here tonight to celebrate becoming St. Bartholomew's. It is a wonderful, wonderful night. God has planted us here in East Dallas. He's calling a people to himself. He is giving shape to our life of worship, prayer, community, and mission. About a year ago, we, we had been, this church had been functioning and existing as a campus of All Saints. And we had been called All Saints East Dallas. And we were on track to become financially independent from All Saints. And sort of spin off and become our own parish, our own community, our own church. And I was sitting in a meeting with Philip, John Williams, and Mike Blanchett. And I said, guys, you know, let's, let's begin the conversation about this. What does this look like? How do we communicate this uh, to the broader All Saints and All Saints East Dallas communities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at some point, Philip suggested, I think you should change your name. And I, th- I remember thinking and saying, I think that's the right idea. Because I had a sense that as God was making us our own entity, we needed our own identity. And so like a giddy little schoolboy, or Dr. Jones, um, I went home and I wrote down all the names of the churches that weren't already taken in Dallas. And I was so glad because Bartholomew was in my heart and in my mind. And you may think, why? (laughs) About a decade prior, as I was working at Grace Anglican Church, my pastor there, John Schuler, had taught us about St Bartholomew, and the thing I loved about him was that he's also considered to be the church is taught that he's Nathaniel. So got John's gospel is the only gospel that speaks of Nathaniel. And Nathaniel's interaction with Jesus is beautiful, it's striking, because Nathaniel, Bartholomew, is, is totally like, really? Who's this guy because uh, Peter and Andrew Andrew told Peter about Jesus. Peter told Philip and then Philip told who? Nathaniel or Bartholomew, see there? See how that works? His name is Philip. <laughs> if I have to explain the joke, it's not really a joke. I get, I know. And Bartholomew's response in that moment they say the one that we've writ that Moses wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth. And Bartholomew says, Nazareth? (laughs) I've been to Nazareth, by the way. Those of you who've been to Nazareth, you can say, really, Nazareth? Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That honesty, that authenticity so struck me. But also what struck me was what Jesus said to Bartholomew, to Nathanael. Behold, an Israelite, in whom there is no deceit. There is a purity of heart there. It was beautiful. And so as I went home and made my list in my bullet journal that September about a year ago, Bartholomew was on my list, but I, but I thought, you know, I'm going to need to pray about this because you can't just go telling everybody we're going to change our name to St. Bartholomew's. But as I dug around, as I, as I looked and as I thought, what would, what would a name be that could really bear the weight of who we are as a church, that could bear the weight of who God was making us into. be. Remember, this is all God's vision. This is something beyond us. This isn't just a slick business plan. We didn't just read a Tim Keller book. This is God's work. And as I thought about a name, I thought, you know, I want this name to be the headwaters of a cohesive vision of who we are as a people, a vision that will give character to our identity, and shape to our mission, breadth to our community, and depth to each of the individual members of it. And as I began to consider Bartholomew and looked at his encounter with Jesus, looked at really his his no-nameness, not really named much, not really mentioned much, my heart really got excited. Because I found five things that I I wanted to organize our community around. I found five things about him that were really becoming to me. And the first one of those was his actual name. And you may not know this, but his name is a patronymic, Bartholomew. And I promise I'll go through these quickly. But Bartholomew means he's the son of Ptolemy or the son of a farmer. And I thought, oh, that's interesting because all the visions that I'd had about this nameless church in East Dallas, that would be a lot like All Saints, all those visions were like trees and soil and even a cheesy stock Christian photo of two hands putting a sapling into the ground. So all those things rung true with me that, okay, he's the son of a farmer. And then I remembered, you know, farming, or ministry and mission rather, is a lot like farming, that you till the soil. And you plant the seed, and you hope it rains, or you water as much as you can. And then really all you do from there is trust God. I thought, well, that rings true. And the next thing I looked at was this interaction that Bartholomew had with Jesus in John chapter 1 that I mentioned to you. That notion that he's a true Israelite. And I thought, well, what does that mean, a true Israelite? I mean, it's not, we're not trying to make people Jewish. But the reality of being a true Israelite is one who is truly a child of God, one who can live in the freedom of the children of God. That same freedom that St. Paul writes about in Romans 8 when he says, if you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a son or a daughter of God. And that's the spirit of adoption, not a spirit of slavery that causes you to fall back into fear. Moreover, it's by that spirit that you cry, Abba, Father. Friends, if if being a Christian is anything, it is having the God of the universe not just as a distant deity that we're scared to death of, but as our Abba. Jesus, teach us to pray, the disciples said. Jesus said, pray like this, our Father, our Abba, who art in heaven. Jesus said, the same closeness, the same intimacy that I have with God the Father, you too can have with God through me. A true Israelite, one who lives in the freedom of the children of God. And again, that authenticity. He could say, Nazareth, really? That hole? I mean, Bartholomew was from Cana, which was another hole just down the road. But there's some authenticity there. And you'll hear me say in just a minute, Being fully human, there's two sides to that coin. And we need to embrace both sides of it. Moreover, Bartholomew was from Galilee. Now, Galilee is a part of Israel that is overlooked and forgotten. And it's full of a people that are overlooked and forgotten. Jesus, when calling his twelve to himself, didn't go to the place of power, Didn't go to the place of influence, Jerusalem. Didn't even go to the place with cool buildings, Jerusalem. He went to Galilee. And when I see so many of you whom God has called to himself here at St. Bart's, I think to myself, how did this person get overlooked? How has this person been roaming free without the care of a community around them? How have they been forgotten? I'm so blown away that God would call me out of a nowheresville. And it doesn't mean you're from a nowheresville, but it means that without him, your life didn't really have shape and form. It didn't really have the meaning and the purpose behind it that it does now as a child of God. I thought, okay, he's from Galilee. We can roll with that. This is part of a vision. We can organize ourselves around this. Then the next thing that really struck me was that Bartholomew, after the resurrection and ascension, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Bartholomew didn't stay in Israel, but he went east. He took the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and he went east as a missionary. The earliest church historians give him credit for they discovered a gospel according to St. Matthew in Israel. Hebrew, not Greek, which most of the gospels are written in, or not Aramaic, would have been his native tongue, but in Hebrew. So Bartholomew took the gospel east. He went as a missionary. God is constantly asking us to go, to be sent by him, to go with his gospel, to take it out of this place, to breathe in his divine life and to breathe out his praise. Whether we're going across the street, across the room, across the nation, or across the globe. God has a church because he has a mission. Think about that for a minute. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has a church because he has a mission. We are his people to carry his message. St. Bartholomew was a a perfect example of that. And lastly, the prayer for his Saints Day, that prayer that I prayed earlier, it's called a collect. That's just another word for prayer, meaning it collects, it gathers up maybe the themes of the day. And it's meant to be a prayer that I pray for all of us. But listen to what this prayer says. Almighty and everlasting God who gave to your apostle Bartholomew grace truly to believe and to preach your word. Now here's the kicker. Grant that your church may love what he believed and preach what he taught. I thought to myself, if our community is known for anything, man, if it could be known for loving what this apostle believed, that is our Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel, if we could love Jesus and then preach what Bartholomew taught, preach Jesus... Win. We're winning. Again, it's not a competition. Some of you are competitive. We're following. We're obeying. But think about it this way The object of Bartholomew's affection was Jesus, the subject of his teaching was Jesus. It sounds so simple. We're so Christian in America. But think about all the things we talk about. Think about all the things I talk about. All the newspaper articles I cut out and send to you that are not about Jesus. Think about all the ways that we order our lives, all the loves that we have that are not God, that are not delighting in the dance of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All the ways that we waste our affection. On mud pies in the slums, C.S. Lewis said, when God has a holiday at sea waiting for us. So that's why St. Bartholomew. That's what we're celebrating. And that's why becoming fully human. What does it mean to be fully human? In a word, it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's very simple. That's very pat. That's not very memorable. But Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, the icon, St. Paul says, of the invisible God. He is our pattern for what it means to be fully human. But don't forget what Genesis says. Let us make man in our image, God said. Genesis chapter 1. The Holy Trinity, not needing anything, uncreated, in perfect unity and harmony said let us make man in our image so he made them male and female he created them in his image we were made in the image of god adam and eve fell prey to the serpent, that image was marred, it was cracked, it was broken, it was irretrievable until the image of the invisible God, the only begotten Son and eternal Word of God, came to take upon himself the death that all of us deserve, the death that was born in Adam and Eve's sin. So what does it mean to be fully human? Human. It means to receive the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. To live in a relationship with our Abba, Father. Saint Irenaeus said it this way, the glory of God is man fully alive. Men, women, when you are fully alive in Christ, when you understand your calling, your purpose, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are the glory of God. Do we understand that we are showing forth what one day all the world will see when they see the glory of our God? Not because we chose to, not because we made it up, not because we're great, because God has given his life to us. He has poured his life out to us in his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his Holy Spirit. And here's the other side of the coin of being fully human. That's the one side of the coin, being like Jesus. The other side of it is this. Luke 22, Jesus just celebrates and institutes the Lord's Supper, celebrates Passover, but institutes what we, you and I call the Eucharist or Holy Communion. Amazing moment. Someone's going to betray Jesus. And then a dispute arose among them, Luke writes, to see which one was the greatest. That, my friends, is part of that humanity that all of us share. Guys, it's all about to go down. And that's all that you're thinking about? Is who among you is the greatest? Bartholomew? John? John? James, Peter, that's the other side of the coin. We are wounded, friends, and we're wounding others. We're broken. And in our brokenness, we're breaking others. We are all in desperate need of healing, and we hear that faint echo in what St. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, I'm not telling you this, church at Corinth. You who do need admonishing... I'm not telling you that you're wounded and you're broken and you're all too human to shame you. I tell you this to admonish you. You have had countless guides. You've had all the self-help that you need. You've had all the consultants, all the quippy help, the catchphrases that your preachers can give to you. What you need is a father. Now, St. Paul would go on and say, I became your father in the gospel. But what I want to say to you all is friends, we're all broken. We're all pregnant with pain and in need of healing. And our God invites us down that sometimes lonely, sometimes very long and dark pathway to healing. But who is presiding over it all? Our father, our Abba the one that the Spirit teaches us to cry out to, the one that made us in his image. So being fully human recognizes that we are broken and that we are going to break things. It recognizes that we are wounded and we are going to wound other people. It's not sanitary to be human. Don't think that it is. I'm not promising you comfort here. It will be uncomfortable, but it is safe. Safe meaning our Father is presiding over all of this. It is His design that you be fully alive. It is His design to be who you were meant to be, as St. Catherine of Siena said, so that you can set the world on fire. And that's why we celebrate tonight. That's why we celebrate St. Bartholomew's. That's why we're named St. Bartholomew's. St. Bart's, if that's too long for you, you can say that, that's okay. I'll always be the company man because God is building a people for himself in East Dallas, learning what it means to be fully human, doing that arduous agricultural work of ministry and mission, welcoming more overlooked and forgotten people into our midst, sending out our best and our brightest as missionaries, whether that's across the city or across the world. Living in the freedom of the children of God and always, always, always having the object of our affection, our Lord Jesus Christ. And the subject of our speech and our teaching, our Lord Jesus Christ. That we may love what Bartholomew believed and preach what he taught.